We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. gentlemen boys and girls welcome back to another episode of talking halos i am your host today jared timms and i am joined alongside my co-host my partner in crime nate green and also special guest of the show steven risotto we call i like to call him rizzo i think a lot of people call you rizzo right or am i just calling you rizzo no a lot of okay. people call me rizzo but Perfect. no i appreciate you guys having me on uh I think when I sought out in baseball media, I thought like my number one goal is to be on Talking Halos. So I, that's completed. I, I, that's what I said when I when you started a podcast. I was like, I'm surprised I'm not the first one on there. So no, I'll, I know we're all kidding. I'm kidding, but I'm excited to have you on. Talk a little bit of baseball, Giants in particular. You are from San Francisco. Just give us a rundown about everything that you know you do up there. You you had a fantastic year. You kind of put it out. On social media, I you know you you had a fantastic year with uh, with the Giants. So, kind of just tell us what you did with them and, or about the Giants, and you know give us the uh, spew Rizzo cast where you are on Twitter, where everybody can find you. Yeah, so 2020, I started a podcast when I was bored. My senior year of high school had nothing better to do. Um, called RizzoCast. Uh, Jared was actually on RizzoCast, um, where I talked to kind of amateur players, professional players, coaches, media, um, fans, everybody in between. Um, I am in San Francisco. Uh, I also on the side, I, I covered the Giants this year for sfbay.ca, and that was a lot of fun. I got 15 games in the press box, got to uh, – watch when the Giants clinched their franchise best um, win mark. And I also saw game 162, which was a crazy day in baseball um, where chaos didn't really happen anywhere, but it was still a crazy day. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. And, you know, getting that press box experience was pretty cool. Uh, but the podcast, it's been growing continually and some, some really big episodes ahead. Um, so, yeah, that's me. Played baseball in, in high school, fell in love with it. I was a PO. I know Jared again, near and dear to his heart. We love the POs. So, yeah, that's that, that's me. It's been an awesome year, though. 
Oh, funny. Nate's a Nate was a PO too, and a, a oh, very so much so we got a PO. All POs we have here. all POs here, by the way. So we have a very we have very much so a pitcher related podcast here tonight. So I'm excited about all this. It's definitely different being in the press box. I, I've done major league games. I've done minor league games. I love minor leagues. I think everybody knows this. I, I it's just it's a different it's a different feeling. You kind of uh, I, I know it's not a job for any of us to do this. But it turns into a job, and it's um, it's different. It's a lot of fun. It, it really is. So, Nate, I didn't forget about you. How you doing? Give me some enthusiasm tonight. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm doing fantastic, Jared. Of course, you know, I have to bring the enthusiasm with you. So, somebody's got to bring it here. It's not going to be you. So, yeah. So, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening to this podcast here at Talking Halos, making us the best Angels podcast out there. I truly believe that we are. If you do believe that. Give us a five-star review. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it. Follow us on all our social medias. You can follow myself on Twitter at Jared underscore Tims. You can follow Nate on Twitter at NateGreen34. And also, now you can follow Stephen Risotto on Twitter at... Tell us where you can follow us, Stephen. At Stephen Risotto, S-T-E-V-E-N-R-I-S-S-O-T-T-O. And you can find the podcast at RizzoCast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and now TikTok. Absolutely. So... Guys, go do that real quick before we get going with this podcast. So I have a question for you here, Rizzo. We mentioned RizzoCast, fantastic podcast. You've had actually a lot of really cool guests on the show, and i just name off a couple here. You had Tyler Glass now, who is unbelievable pitcher, got hurt. You had Dale Scott, who is an umpire. In your fourth episode, we already mentioned this, you had Jared Timms. I mean, who's who's, and I know I'm not the best, but... Who's your favorite um, recorder? I guess that you've uh, that you've talked to. I mean, there's there's been a lot, and that's just a couple that I that I mentioned. That I you've had almost a hundred. Are you over a hundred episodes now? You're pretty close. No, not yet. Okay. I think I'm in almost eighty five. I think. Okay. So you've had a lot of episodes. You've had a lot of great guests. I mean, rattle it off. Tell us about you know all these guests you've had. Tyler Glass now in particular, because that was a really cool podcast. Glass now one was cool, um, and you know I, I always try to get some some legitimate names. Um, but sometimes the best interviews are not the legitimate names or, you know, sometimes they're people you've never even heard of. Um, but glass now was a great one. Um, he's actually friends with, he's actually good friends with my high school pitching coach. And that's how I got in contact with him. They came up through the pirates organization together. And, you know, of course, glass now was later traded, uh, in that horrible trade, the Chris Archer one. Um, but that was a good one. I, I think right after I did Tyler Glasnow, um, Bob Kendrick from the Negro Leagues Museum came on. And like, if, if you want to talk storytelling with anybody in baseball, Bob Kendrick is the best person to have on. It took a while. And it was it was very, very uh, crazy time for him, too, because it was the week that Hank Aaron had passed away. So he was busy with, you know, trying to write up a eulogy and uh, we had it planned before that happened. Uh, so it was, it was kind of a weird, weird timing scenario, but we got to touch on Hank Aaron, the Negro Leagues Museum. They had just gotten a grant from Barstool Sports. That was an incredible episode, but I also like interviewing some of the minor league players too. I mean, there's nothing better than letting them kind of shed their light on what's going on with the minor leagues in terms of living conditions and all that they go through. And it's kind of, you know, I understand that minor leaguers really know what they're signing up for in a sense, and that it is going to take like two, three years to get up the good ones. Um, but you know, that I like to touch on that and I like to touch on some fans too. I've had a lot of giants fans on, um, you know, I tend to focus a lot on the giants 
it's a team that I know best. So best one, probably Bob Kendrick glass. Now. I mean, there's so many to count. I could give you like five of them, but you had Victor, Ro- the, you had Victor Rojas on too. I saw, I saw that. That's, Victor Rojas that's was good. a good one too. Yeah. yeah. He's uh, now the, uh, the, uh, I believe he's like the president of the Frisco Rough Riders. Mm-hmm. So, um, he was great. Uh, I tried to do my impression of him to him, and it was like he like barely cracked a smile. So I was kind of left hanging. But I mean, I was like, "Gone, big fly!" And then he was just like, "Not bad, not bad." And it was just an awkward moment all the way around. And I like I should have cut that part out, but it was too good not to. No, it, it's funny that you mentioned that. I mean, I had. Bob Fontaine Jr., which a lot of people, Nate, and honestly, before I had Bob on, who was the scouting director for the Angels for so many years, I didn't know who he was. You, you could have, I, I mean, it's before my time, it's before Nate's time, and, and it was a blast of a podcast with it, that we had, and I had Taylor Blake Ward on, and everybody everybody in Angel kind of nation knows who that is, but yeah, it, it was the the guys that you don't know a whole lot of, for sure, 100%, that, that's, it's, those are the best ones, it's, 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 it's weird how it, how it goes like that, and I've had bands on too, where they just have these great stories. Uh, uh, about everything, and, and I, I think Chad Smith was probably one of my favorite ones that I had on here, and he was just a fan, you know, but he grew up in with angels around him. He knew Bill Stoneman. He knew everybody around it. So, yeah, it's it's crazy when you get talking with baseball fans how, you know, crazy it gets here. So, Nate, I'm not leaving you out. Feel free to jump in, you know, if you have any questions. I know you're just sitting here talking, but, yeah, if, if you have anything, you know, just, just go ahead and jump in. So, I did though, real quick. Uh, I saw Gavin Weir was on. You had Gavin, which again, I'm an incredible baseball freak. So I watch baseball twenty four seven. Just Little League World Series, I'll watch it. College World Series, whatever, I'll watch it. So getting to hear him was was kind of cool to get uh, Gavin on the show. And that's you know a weird guy to get on there. You know, being a San Francisco guy and and him being in uh, North Dakota. So that, that was a interesting one for me to see that that you got him on there, which is which was really really cool. Yeah, Gavin Weir's an incredible kid, and the first time I saw him there doing the Chris Sale comparisons, Little League yes, World Series, and yes. um, and I saw that and I was like, oh, that's pretty good, it's okay. And then like I didn't even look at the stats, like his stats, like three no hitters <laughs> that like four no hitters that summer had like two in the tournament, and I was just like, who is this? He's like the greatest pitcher in literally. He threw like six hundred pitches and gave up two hits. Like how does that even work? That's not even like human, and like. Again, weird timing. I got it literally flew in, and like the next day, I was talking to him. So I was like, Oh, he was like, Yeah, we were in Williamsport yesterday. We just left. I was like, Oh man, how do I get so lucky with you? And you know, he's, he's younger, and you know, the younger people, you know, they're not very elaborate with their sentences. So it was good that his dad kind of joined me too and provided some footnotes. But Gavin Weird, man, he's gonna, he's gonna get drafted and he's going to be better than Chris Sale. So we're going to start with the hot takes here. Wow. I, I like the hot takes. Yeah, if nobody knows who Gavin Weir is, the absolute phenom this Little League World Series, you just you don't see that, like, Little League is more of mine and Nate's time. As weird as that sounds, like, everybody now is not playing Little League, so you just don't see it. So to see a kid, you know, jump on the scene like that in Little League was a lot of fun. And, you know, from a pitching standpoint, we're all pitchers here. We love the stats. Pitching comes along with, I mean... It's, it's special what he did. So let's get on to some baseball talk here. I want to talk a little bit of Farhan Zaidi, I believe is how you say it. Um, Zaidi. Yeah. Zaidi, yeah. So he just joined the Giants two years ago, if I'm not mistaken, three years ago. 
seen. He joined right after the 2018 season. Yeah. So he has seen a huge. You've seen the whole change here, haven't you? In a, in a sense, walk us through some of the things that you you've kind of noticed. I, I don't know if you've really noticed a lot, but there, there's got to be some stuff that him and his staff has brought have brought into the system to make the team a 106 win team. Yeah, there's definitely a notice, and there's definitely a change in philosophy within the organization. Um, first and foremost, Bobby Evans and Brian Sabian, the two you know guys who kind of ran the team beforehand, are complete different baseball men than Farhan Zaidi and his administration. It's completely different. The first change that you know was kind of weird and a little hesitant to a lot of Giants fans were. The opening day moves he had in 2019, the opening day left fielder was Connor Joe, and the opening day right fielder was Michael Reed. So two guys that nobody has really never heard of. You know, Connor Joe had kind of a nice run in Colorado this season. Michael Reed, I don't know where he is. Uh, But they were high on base guys. They were, you know, guys that were going to get on base and, you know, run into one every now and then and draw walks and play good defense. That was who they were. Um you know, and, and those two didn't work out, and instead the Giants went and got you know guys like Alex Dickerson, and um, they brought in Tommy Lastella, who I know you guys know pretty decently. Uh, this offseason they brought in Tommy Lastella, but for the most part, I think you know I, I look back to what he did with the Dodgers and what him and Andrew Friedman they you know they built something really nice down there, and it'd be unfair to say that Farhan does not have his hands on you know what the Dodgers you know completed this year too. I mean, Max Muncy and Chris Taylor had huge impacts this season for them. Muncy is in the MVP conversation. And Chris Taylor, we saw what he did in the postseason. It speaks for itself. And Zaidi, you know, turned, you know, brought those guys in and they turned it around. And I think we saw something similar here with what he did, you know, in terms of their pitching staff. I mean, they went from not having a, you know, legitimate rotation at all to having a really, really good one built Based, built around guys that were reclamation projects. I mean, Anthony DeSclafani got out of Great American Small Park in the San Francisco, pitched really well. Alex Wood finally got a chance to start, pitched really well. Um, you know, they stuck with a few of the veteran players like Johnny Cueto and Posey came back and, you know, Brandon Belt. But I think for the most part, Farhan Zaidi's change in philosophy is is basically like playing the roster like a fantasy football team and it's funny enough uh, Farhan Zaidi won fantasy football leagues while with the Dodgers organization so there's an interesting tidbit there but you know that's what that's how this roster plays and I think the rest of baseball look we knew that you would you would need seven eight starters to last you in a big league season maybe more but Farhan Zaidi basically had like 15 arms, not not necessarily on the active roster at the time, but, you know, the way they shuttled guys up from Sacramento and back, he played, you know, if, if there's three right-handed pitchers uh, going in a series, like say the Giants go to Coors Field and they, they match up against three righties, you'll have like two lefty bats come up. And everybody on the entire roster was utilized. I mean, I don't know if you guys have kept track of what Gabe Kapler and company has done with the pinch hits this year but that's like their ninth position player like it really is it they they had like 18 pinch hit homers this year like 52 rbis i think the homers is a record so they i mean they pinch hit in like the fifth and sixth inning like consecutively i mean 
the only guy on their bench by the end of the game is their catcher. I mean, they play the matchups better than any team. And it's a philosophy that's new, but it's a philosophy that I think a lot of Giants fans have learned to trust. And I mean, I think Farhan Zaidi's definitely a uh, has a lot to do with it. Yeah, and Nate, I know that you probably want to say the opposite of what the Giants do, so I'll let you say your piece <laughs> on on the analytical side of things because I know you way too well here. I know you don't want to jump in and be like the Giants got lucky. Blah. I know, I know, I know I, how I you are. Lucky. I will not say lucky. I mean, the Giants had a had a fantastic year. I mean, there's not like you want to throw luck into the mix. Ah, sure, fine. Do do what you want. We want to talk about the Darren Ruff check check swing in LA. Is that where this is going? No, no, <laughs> no, no, no I, absolutely I not. There. We are going. No. You you have to remember here. You the Giants are the the northern. I don't want to call them the Northern Angels. The, 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 it's the same kind of concept. The Giants hate the Dodgers as much as Angels hate the Dodgers. And I think it's more of a fan thing. I don't think the players actually hate each other. But if, if you kind of get what I'm saying. So, yeah, I, 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 I wish I had an answer here for the Angels fans listening to this. Because I, I, maybe I'm, I'm hoping that a little bit of or, or some Rizzo luck comes down, you know, SoCal or, or down the five. And, and, you know, maybe Perry Manassian can can pick up on what Farhan's doing. But, man, it's... It's really tough down here. I know we're all baseball fans. We, you, me and Nate watch the Giants. I know you've seen a little bit about, about the Angels. So, Nate, I'll start with you because we haven't really even talked to you tonight at all. What what has been the biggest difference between the Angels and Giants? I mean, let's. I, I don't even know really where to begin minus the win total. They had 40 more wins than the Angels this year. But, I mean, we, we've seen the philosophy difference. I, I don't know if there's a big philosophy difference. We've seen the Angels playing Jenga down in, in minor minor league camp just as of late, you know, there's a, it's a teamwork type of philosophy. It's a, it's a, it's a, if you're going to get it done at the minor league level, you know, you're, if you're getting the stats there, I think that that's, that's a big thing for Perry. Uh, If I just don't know, you know, I don't know what to tell Angels fans to make them happy. We have the best team in baseball on, on this podcast right now. And it's, it's, it's tough to compare them right now, isn't it? No, no, it's it's pretty easy. Uh, Farhan's allowed to do whatever he wants, and that's that's a big deal. Honestly, like he is able to do what he wants. He comes in and he revamps the entire front office, does everything he wants to do, brings in his guys, and, and that's a huge difference between the Angels and the Giants right now. Um, you know, my favorite guy to talk about when it comes to the Giants, Lamont Wade Jr. My my buddy's a huge Twins fan. The dude couldn't hit his way out of a wet paper bag in Minnesota. Like honestly, and all of a sudden. The dude's a 25 home run hitter. Like, literally everything Farhan touches turns to gold. You look, we mentioned Chris Taylor earlier. We mentioned Max Muncy earlier. And you just look, Darren Ruff becomes a, a 25 home run guy. Like, every, Evan Longoria becomes a player again. Mike, Buster Mike Kosher, Yeah, like, everything this guy does turns to gold. And, and I think part of it is because he's allowed to do do things that are outside the box and he's allowed to do things that maybe other people aren't allowed to do. And um, you look at some organizations it's structured differently, but I, I think the angels are structured very differently. And I think that's a, a big difference between what the giants were able to do this year and what the angels were able to do. Like Farhan has complete control of that roster and whatever he feels like doing with this fantasy football team that week is, is what goes on. And the angels really are, you know, there's a process to who has uh, say is the way I'll go with that. Correct? Oh, we can jump into this if we want. I mean, there <laughs> are there there are three with the Angels. It's it's fair. There are three different 
you know, leaders in, in this, in the organization. And I can almost guarantee that you probably don't see that in, in San Francisco. There is one guy that, that makes the baseball moves, right? And that's Farhan, right? There's not three, there's yeah, not three no. guys making the, making baseball moves. I'm, I'm sure Gabe has a little bit of say in it, but I'm sure that it's, it's basically Farhan and his, and his team, right? And it's funny because Gabe and Farhan, Gabe Kapler and Farhan Zaidi work so well together because they know each other. I think their work in, in Los Angeles when Kapler was the uh, the farm director down there, or he was director of player development, he had some role like that, uh, and Zaidi was the general manager. I thought that that relationship, I mean, they're really close. I mean, you could tell it with their, you know, the way they interact with each other. I think, I mean, by the three leaders, I don't know if you're meaning ownership, which I'm, I'm sure you are, just a little bit. Um, you know, ownership, I mean, if we're talking Larry Bear in, in San Francisco, um, I think he was really close with Brian Sabian. And, you know, they were all friends, Sabian, Bochi, Larry Bear. And I think when he brought in Farhan Zaidi, was, it was kind of like, a, you know, okay, we got to flip the page to kind of a next era. And real quick, back to Farhan, and, and Nate mentioned Lamont Wade Jr. I'm glad that you brought him up because that's something that I missed when I was talking about Farhan. Zaidi also gets players that don't necessarily strike out a ton. And I don't know what Lamont Wade's strikeout uh, rate has been at the big league level, but at the minor league level, he had like way more walks than strikeouts. It was almost like like he had like 20 more walks than strikeouts in his entire minor league career. He just had no power. Um, and you know, now you, you, you give him some elevation in his swing and he's all of a sudden the guy that can build off of that discipline. And, uh, and he hit some home runs. He had huge, I don't know if you guys have kept up with the nicknames in San Francisco late night Lamont is what they dubbed him this year. Huge moments in the ninth inning. Like, I mean, incredible numbers in the ninth inning and had like, eight games were like he single-handedly <laughs> not single-handedly but had huge hits um but in, in terms of like who makes decisions i do think that there is constant communication with kapler and farhan zaidi i don't think like i think the conspiracy that a front office calls a manager in the middle of a game like on, on the phone or something is just like the stupidest conspiracy ever like i mean that's just like I don't. I don't understand that at all. Well, because that I don't think that happens. Like, does Joe Madden get a call from Perry, or like, how do, how do you do? You guys have any conspiracies with that? I think somebody I called Albert Pujols. I think somebody actually called Albert Pujols, and they got it on camera. And that was I, not I the bullpen. I have a hundred percent conspiracy theory with the Dodgers. Hundred percent that Dave Roberts makes no decisions. Okay, that one. Yeah, that one. I will say. Yeah, because he gets a phone call from some guy upstairs, and he says. Hey, Dave, I don't care what you're thinking. Julio Arias is coming in this game right now. I know Julio threw game five, but he's coming in game two, and we don't care what you say. And I, I 100% believe that happens. Um, the Dodgers are far they, – they go overboard with the analytics. And I think there's – Jared and I talk about this all the time. There's, there's – I'm okay with analytics, but, like, the Dodgers go way too overboard with it. I think the A's go way too overboard with it. You see teams that, like – go too much in that direction i think there needs to be a balance but no that's that's kind of i do have the conspiracy theory with it when it comes to dave roberts and the dodgers and if you read behind if you read between the lines like on what happened like with the whole you know urias game five and then they started knable 
Like mm-hmm. Dave Roberts, like did make some. Co- so now you're kind of changing my mind here on the on what I said earlier. Dave Roberts, there was some hesitation. He did like, you know, not directly, but he did like make the indication that it was not his decision to start Knable, you know, and you know any postseason game for that matter. So, and also like it's weird because like you think about these managers and like all of them played from like an era. I mean, there's a few that caught the analytics trend the tail end of their careers but i mean dave roberts played on that 04 <laughs> 04 red Sox team and you know those teams were not like it, it makes you wonder where do you pick up on this like analytics stuff like i mean i'm a supporter of analytics i like it to a certain degree for sure i think it has a huge impact but like looking at dave roberts like in his career and a guy who really wasn't an on-base machine you no know, pinch runner you know still had like a few good 50 steel years that's about all he could do that's what he's known for it makes you wonder like how these guys are so knowledgeable about numbers you know and and, you know it'd be different if like someone from this era ends up getting a managerial job like 20 years down the line but like it's still mind-boggling that like even joe madden like how does that even develop (laughs) like you're an older guy and like you're speaking the language of like these yale and these ivy league executives so it's it's kind of funny i i think it's i think it's a lot that has to do with that big thick book that they got that's a that's a big thing i i mean i think the whole game's written on that like if something happened if this happens this happens, you know then this guy comes in this guy comes in i think we see that a lot more in the playoffs so i don't think we see it in, in the in the regular season as much and that's that's cool with me uh when it comes to managers though i i do believe that those guys are the master communicators and those guys are the, are the scapegoats. You know, we, me and Nate talked about right after the Giants loss. I mean, is Gabe Kapler on the hot seat? I don't think so. Is Dave Roberts on the hot seat? I don't think so. Is Joe Madden on the hot seat? I don't think so, but they probably could be, you know, because those guys are, I mean, are they making moves really? Like we just talked about, you know, the communication and such that Gabe and Farhan have, and it's, it's, impeccable it's 100 percent. you know it's 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 what you need in in an organization and the same goes with you know dave robertson and and their front office you know the, the communication is is key there so i think that that's a that's a big thing when you talk about you know how managers communicate that that's that's how managers become managers in a sense like me and nate talked about this off the record why is luis rojas getting a, an interview in san diego he's a good communicator with his players he's a good communicator with the media I mean, I know Nate's not going to agree with that, and Nate hates Luis Rojas for some reason. I, I don't know why. I don't hate Luis Rojas. I just don't think that he he fits the, the mold that the San Diego Padres need to go. They need they need a veteran manager that's going to get them to a World Series, and Luis Rojas is not that guy. I, I, I agree. Going back to what you were talking about, it's like, honestly, Dave Roberts, why does he still have a job after countless years of getting to the playoffs and never winning? Because he knows how to to communicate things to the public and make it sound like, hey, you know, this was my fault. I felt like this was the best possible scenario for us. I thought Urias in this this spot gives the best chance to win. And he doesn't sit there and say, sorry, I got a phone call in the sixth inning that said Urias is coming in next inning. Um, Go talk to Friedman. Like, if he did that, he would be gone. But because he does such a good job of saying, like, hey, you know, like, we won 106 games. That was our best pitcher this year. And I think he gave us the best chance to win the game. Sorry. You know, that's why he still has a job and that's why he's never going to be on the hot seat until, 
uh, the Dodgers feel that they need to move off him. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that scapegoats, managers are scapegoats in a sense, and I feel like it's such a tough, that's why like the, 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 the writers that vote for it, and I know it's a cycle every year and, you know, baseball, the BBWAA, you know, cycles through, but the people that vote for the manager of the year, like how, like it, it, first of all, the award is like fringe. Like, I mean, yeah, you're a three-time managerial award winner, but like you get fired like five years later. But I think like we judge a manager based on like their team. And it's like, you just consider, you know, a manager to be bad when, you know, he lost 102 games, but he could have easily made like really, really good decisions throughout that entire season and just like his talent so bad that it work out. Like you could bring in a guy for a spot like, you know, first and third, one out, you need to strike out and you bring in your the best possible strikeout guy you have out of the bullpen and he doesn't get the job done. I don't know how that could be your fault. And then, you know, we look at, you know, we'll never know if a manager who is really bad, you know, we'll never know. Like it, it looks worse when they get fired after making the playoffs or something. Like I know Dusty Baker got fired you know, in Washington after making the playoffs and everybody just went ballistic. And, you know, I think we're seeing the same thing. I wasn't expecting Mike, Mike Schultz to get fired from St. Louis. So that was crazy. But so my point is we just never know if a manager is like good or bad. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of amazing. It's, it's interesting for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we need manager war. <laughs> there you go. Man, yes. Man Some, someone needs to create that. I don't, I don't know how that's going to ever be created, but yeah. So before I let you go, it's po- it's not the postseason. Well, technically it is postseason, but you know none of our teams are in it, unfortunately. But we are pre- getting pretty close to the off season. What do you want to see done in San Francisco? Well, I think a prior. They have a few priorities, and it's kind of alarming the way they use the word priority. <laughs> it makes you wonder, like, what is their actual priority? Uh, every year they have the press conference where, you know, Kapler and, you know, Farhan Zaidi talk about the season and what they're going to do in the off season. And, um, Farhan Zaidi said, number one priority is pitching. Cause you know, I, I mentioned reclamation projects earlier. They're all gone. I mean, they're all free agents, not gone, but they're all free agents. Desclafani is a free agent. Wood, Gosman, Cueto's team options going to get denied. He'll, you know, they'll pay in the buyout. So the only person in the rotation next year is Logan Webb. So that should be a priority, I think. Maybe they re-sign like two of those guys and bring in a Marcus Stroman or something. Um, I know he's probably the most attractive free agent pitcher. A lot of the other ones have some baggage or a little bit older. Max Scherzer is definitely a hot commodity too. Um, Buster Posey's, you know, that's a big decision to make. Um, he's got an option. $22 million. I think they pick it up. You know, Brandon Belt's a free agent. He randomly made himself a big, you know, favorite towards the end of it, like a fan favorite. Like he was never a fan favorite until like September 10th when he named himself the captain uh, against the Cubs. And now he's all of a sudden a fan favorite. He frustrates a lot of Giants fans, by the way. It's you, you wouldn't even imagine, but he's, you know, he, his contract's looming and, you know, maybe you, maybe you pick a position and kind of like, Say, you know what, forget with the splits. Forget with the platoon. Let's get a guy who could hit, you know, left-handed and right-handed pitching. Um, maybe a corner outfield spot. Mike Yastrzemski kind of moved into a platoon role this season. Down the stretch, he really wasn't starting against left-handed pitching. Um, so that's something to watch. Uh, there's a few guys that are going to get non-tendered. 
that's like a guaranteed non-tendered and I'd be shocked if they didn't. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's very difficult to expect 107 wins again. <laughs> it's very difficult to expect a hundred wins again with the lack of pitching coming back. Um, they'll regress, but I think the, the question is how much. And I think, uh, the giants obviously have some brain power. They have some brain smart and, you know, who knows? Uh, but I think pitching and, Maybe some uh, some bats, and I know that's the story of like every team in baseball. But you know, maybe a, maybe an upgrade in the bullpen too. No, I, this is why I brought it up because I think the Angels and the Giants have probably some of the most in, uh, appealing and fun off seasons uh, this year. There are going to be a lot of free agents that are going to be signed. Probably a lot of trades. Maybe they should bring happen. in Dylan Bundy and Jose Quintana. There you Matt go, Harvey too. Great like Quintana. He didn't even pitch good there. <laughs> I know, and he been. You know, Zahami does everything good. So if, if Quintana can't pitch good there, he can't pitch good anywhere. He won't even pitch good in Dodger Blue. <laughs> I don't know, man. I I don't know what to tell you. I I thought that they had a they had something there in in Quintana. I called to... Julio Tehran two point and you did not like that comp. Yeah, Here's my what... next name that I was going to name out. Oh, don't even get me started. You can have all those guys. That's your that's your rotation next year. You get. You get Andrew Heaney, Dylan Bundy. Uh, let's see, Julio Tehran. That that'll be the Giants. You're take my favorite pitcher in the MLB. Yeah, I know. You're you're very welcome. So, uh, Rizzo, where can we find you before we get to some final thoughts? Give, give us the spew again. I, you got to promote yourself as much as you can. Yeah. So Rizzocast is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, YouTube. Just look up Rizzocast, and it's also on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook at RizzoCast, and you can follow me on Twitter at Steven Risotto, S-T-E-V-E-N-R-A-S-S-O-T-T-O. Um, and, uh, yeah, maybe I'll be back next year uh, covering the Giants uh, in April. So we'll see. Absolutely. Or late March, I guess. <laughs> it's less fun to say late March. Yeah. No, it's going to be, uh, like I said, a blast of an offseason. You've done a fantastic job. I, I applaud you for what you've done, especially at such a young age. You are still a – Spricely young veteran. I'm gonna have to start calling you that. I don't even know what that means, but that's that's what you're gonna be be getting called now. So, Nate, any final thoughts before we let everybody go? Nope. Uh, just just can't wait for tomorrow, or I guess can't wait for the series. Can't wait. I know this is Monday that we're recording this for Wednesday, but um, I, I really just can't wait to see Atlanta and Houston square off. So, yeah, excited to, to see a World Series champion crowned. Yeah, I'm excited for the offseason to start. I really am. I think we all are. So, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Don't forget to go follow Rizzo on everything. He does a fantastic job. He has great guests on, like we mentioned, on his podcast. It's another great podcast to listen to or watch. I know a lot of people looking for stuff to watch on YouTube. Fantastic place to go do that. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast, guys, and have a great rest of your day.
whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.